I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisperer and Brew. The brave phase has to go on. We've had a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I've been off with COVID, so both hosts of this podcast have now tested positive. You might hear that in my voice, a little bit sniffly, uh, any coughs or whatever, I'll mute the microphone so you don't have to hear me splutter my guts up, uh, joined by a COVID survivor, um, and also a man who's taken some time away from the microphone this week, but it's good to be back. Brew, how are we? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, sounds like I'm... Yeah, I'm better than you. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a bit like Pete Murray, mate. I've seen better days this week. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Newcastle Knights have also seen better days and it's been a horrid preseason for them. Uh, all the KP talk, the Braley injury, who's going to start in their spine, new combinations. Doesn't look like an overly fantastic year to be a Newcastle Knights fan just quietly. No, I don't think it is. Um, they're talking themselves up a little bit, I've noticed, but... I don't see it personally. I see a downward slide. Nor do I. Look, last year, they came seventh. They had a 12-12 and 12 record, perfect 500, eight and four at home. So a pretty, pretty good fortress at McDonald Jones Stadium there. Four and eight away from home, not, not ideal. Uh, I guess one of the best wins would have been that one against Manly last year. I think it was a late Sunday afternoon game. Turbo was held to only 40-so points uh, when it comes to Supercoach. And the Knights put on a brave performance, and I'm pretty sure they got the win that night. Uh surprisingly, mate, they ranked 15th in attack. So they were the second worst side in attack last year, only averaging 17.8 points a game. They ranked eighth for defense, conceding 23.8 points a game as well. I can see them starting the season 0-5 or maybe 1-4 at best. They've got the Roosters away, the Tigers at home, the Panthers away, the Sharks away, Manly away. So you'd think the Tigers game's their best chance to get two points on the board. And if that doesn't go well, then... Yeah, 0 and 5 is definitely on the cards. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I think they would beat the Tigers. Um, I think Ponga will probably flat track bully them. But outside of that, I don't see them winning any of those other games. No. Look, I've got them in 13th, which could be generous. Uh, they could be as low as sort of 14th. Where do you have them? I've got them at 12th, but with no confidence. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Um, on the gains, I mean, the side struggled with attack last year and they haven't added a whole lot. I mean, they've added Dane Gagai, who doesn't have Cody Walker or Alex Johnston, and they've also added Adam Clune from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. On the losses front, they've got Blake Green, who's retired, Connor Watson off to the Roosters, Josh King off to Melbourne, Stafford Toa off to the Tigers, uh, Jermaine Sibasaki off to Rugby Union, Mitchell Pearce off to Catalans, Tex Hoy uh, is unsigned, so... Those losses, I think, affect the squad harmony far more than the inclusion of Gagai and Clune coming in. I can't believe you just said that about Tex Hoy. Did they really not sign him? Yeah, it just says here Tex Hoy in brackets, unsigned. So, um, been released and, and not picked up by the looks of it. 
Jeez, I would have played him at six personally and put him with Adam Clune. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of question marks over the the Knights recruitment. I would say I don't think Dane Gagai was the signing that you look to be making. Look, he's I think Gagai is a luxury signing. He's not someone that you're bringing in to try and. Obviously, the Knights came seventh last year, but you're trying to solidify yourself at the top eight side. I don't know if Dane Gagai does that. You've lost Connor Watson, you've lost Josh King, you've lost Mitchell Pierce, uh, and Blake Green for as inconsistent as he was, he was still a steady hand at times. So for, I guess, names there that could have filled a spot in the starting 13 this year, and they've really only brought in Clune to replace that. And no disrespect to Adam Clune, but he's he's not the class of someone like a Mitchell Pierce. Oh, no, I think Adam Clune's quite an underrated player. I think he was one of the better players that the Dragons had last season when he did get a chance. But Pierce is a massive loss to them. I think they really underrated that guy a lot when he played they won a lot more games than when he didn't play I think he's a massive loss for them probably the biggest loss yeah I don't think the Mitchell Pierce thing was a footballing reason it was probably more of a behind the scenes slash culture reason so I don't uh, hate that but yeah definitely some question marks over the recruitment here and it doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence for them moving into the season uh, when it comes to the injuries slash suspension fronts, they've got Suaso Su. He's out for the first two rounds with suspension. Uh, he'll be back available round three. And obviously, Jaden Braley, his injury is indefinite. Looks like it's about half a season. He'll be back towards the, the back end of the season. Uh, moving into, I guess, our sides, we've both got KP at fullback. Uh, look, yep. I don't know where to sit on KP. There's been some talk around him being that non-premium fullback that you pick up because he's at a good price this year. Career-wise, he's gone 68, 60, 80, 68. So one outlier season of 80, the rest of it being sort of high 60s. Most likely not going to be goal-kicking, and I just don't feel like he can compete with these big guns. He's lost Pierce. We know he performed better with Pierce in the side. Can we take a flyer on Ponga, or would you rather take uh, a gamble on uh, a youngster like Jaden Campbell? I'm not touching Kalen Ponger. He's far too inconsistent. We know he can bang out a 160. We've seen it plenty of times, but we also know he can bang out plenty of 35 and 40s. And until I see something from Newcastle, it's simply not something that I personally would consider. I've said it before. Jake Clifford killed Ponger last year. They became disjointed in an attack. Ponger didn't know his place in the side anymore when he should be, well, basically leading the attack. He's the most skillful player in that team. So even if he had the goal kicking, I don't think he's going to average 80 plus this season. No, nor do I. And you mentioned that he's a flat track bully, but for the first five rounds, we've got one game against the Tigers in Newcastle that I could see him putting up triple uh, triple digits. Against the Roosters, they'll be defensively solid. The Panthers, we know, one of the best supercoach defensive sides there are. Uh, the Sharks under Steve Price, they get him back as their sort of defensive coach. Um, Price is, is a big advocate for defense. So I think the Sharks must a lot more. And Manly. Like, I don't think Manly will hold them to, to zero, but I don't see the Knights being good enough to put up any kind of score against Manly to warrant KP being in there in your sort of sides for the first five rounds. And when you're looking at fullbacks, they're probably the position I want to spend the least amount of trades on for the first 10 rounds. Yeah, we, we might play fullback roulette later on in the season and, and muscle up on matchups, but... When we want to be trying to get these cheapies early, that's where a lot of our trades will be going to, fit, to, to to jump on these cheapies early. I don't want to be chopping and changing my fullbacks. I don't want to be chopping and changing them, uh, especially with, with COVID. I don't want to be bombing myself out of trades so early on. 
uh, trying to pick the perfect matchup for your fullbacks when you can just take a, a Tedesco slash Pap or, or even spend the money on Turbo and, and have a much safer time there and not have to worry about making the trade. So for me, KP is a no. Um, I've seen some hype around him and, and it's something that I just can't get behind. Uh, on the wings, man, I have Anari Tawala and Heimel Hunt. Yep, and I've got the same combo. So Anari Tawala had four scores over 60 last year. For me, that just doesn't possess enough upside. If you're going to take a low base, high ceiling center wing at the sort of mid 300s, 400k mark, uh, Anari Tawala isn't it for me with only yeah, three scores above 60. Uh, sorry, four scores above 60. It's just not something that I'm looking at doing. I just don't feel there's enough upside to warrant that there. And Heimel Hunt is the exact same. At least two scores above 60 as well. So we know when the Knights can pile on points, then you'd think the, the left wing will be the, the big winner out of that. I just don't really see it happening. I mean, like, I don't see the Knights putting enough enough points to, to warrant these high ceiling guys that, that are, that are going to pump out 25, 30 week in, week out. So... Basically, anyone in this night's backline I'm not overly keen on, which includes the centers, which will be Bradman Best and Dane Gagai. The question being, what side does Adam O'Brien line them up on? Because we know Bradman Best is a is a wonderful left center when he's on the field, but we saw Dane Gagai have his best season as a center in, in many, many years as a left-sided center. So it's a, a big headache to have if you're Adam O'Brien. Personally, I think it has Gagai on the right and you keep Best on the left. But I don't really know. I'm not saying that with a whole lot of confidence. That's my presumption as well. I, I don't see why you would move a young footballer in Best who's who's got a couple of years in that system. Like, if Best gets injured again, yeah, by all means, switch Gagai to the left. I understand that. But if you're picking, like, Best 17, Best backline, I, I think I have Gagai on the right. I have Best on the left. One thing I will say about both players is... Neither of them particularly likes to pass the ball very much. They're very much your kind of BJ Leilua mold where they kind of go themselves. So that doesn't give me a whole lot of hope for either of those wingers. I know what you're saying about like the left side. That's good if Ponga gets the ball and cuts out, which he does like to do. But if anything through the hands, I just don't think it's going to get out there in time for them to really profit try-wise. And with their low base, I think it's high risk. The thing with the thing with Best is he's got all the talent in the world, a huge body. He's still so young. He has forty four base power for a centre wing, which is phenomenal. And he's got that massive attacking upside. He's priced at a fifty two average. We know that he can go better than that. But the problem is he's only played twenty six games in two years, so he's basically missed an entire year with injuries in the last two seasons. I can get behind Bradman Best at fifty two average, but I can't get behind him with the Knights' first five. Oh, absolutely not. He, he's the type of guy that you look at and go, okay, which buy does the Knights play? When am I going to target to get him in for that buy? Beyond that, he's not someone I'm paying up to start the season. If you're going to take Smokies or, you know, slightly higher priced guys to start the season, you're going to do a draw focused pick. And for me, like I look at it and go, I'm not advocating this, but you look at one of the Warriors centers and you look at their draw, they've got five or six of the easiest weeks to start the season. I'd much rather pay 350 for one of those guys, save 100K and take a real smoky, than I would pay, say, 450 for a gag eye or a, or a best. Someone, with a like, uh, draw. someone like Rocco Berry comes to mind there when you mention the Warriors. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think they've just signed someone else too uh, who's going to prominent, be prominent. I think he came from um, the Broncos. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jesse Arthurs. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. So either of those guys, I think, are both in that three to three fifty bracket. I reckon they're better 
better shots, you know, if you're going to throw some darts, I'd be going that way. Yeah, so best is priced at 52 average. I definitely think there's upside there, um, but there'll be upside there at the end of the season. Like, we'll look back on his average, and, yeah. and I think it'll be higher than 52, but he isn't someone I'm looking to start with. I think Brew makes a fantastic point in the, in the sense that he is more of your buy round target and your later end. So a guy that you could probably pick up round 17 onwards and filter him out through matchups if you can stay healthy. That's that's the big thing. Uh, when it comes to Dane Gagai, look, he had a 12-point career year last year, so 12-point increase uh, from 56 to 68. I think this year, personally, he's probably one of the biggest regressors in the entire competition, uh, and I feel like he is, he is one of the biggest avoids that I can recommend. He played like a busted last time he played for the Knights, so I, I don't see... I don't see what the temptation for him was to leave South and go back to Newcastle. You know, I don't know what he's getting paid. Obviously, if but I if I had a if I had a dollar sign like soundboard, I didn't have it programmed. But if I had one, I definitely would have played that when you asked why he went to Newcastle because I think he's on. Yeah, I think he's on some it pretty good some pretty bags. good coin. Yeah, Wolf for Wall Street stuff. But yeah, I look. I, I'm not very huge on Gagai. I, I know he plays quite well in Origin, but that's typically when he's surrounded by great players. Last season. He had a great season, but so did South Sydney. They made the grand final. Cody Walker had one of the best 5-8 seasons I've seen from anyone in recent memory. So, of course, people on the back of that are going to have career seasons. I think he's I think he's set for a big, big regression this season. I think it's the same point that we can make with Adam Reynolds. Uh, people are keen on Adam Reynolds going to the, to the Broncos, but the Broncos rank like 12th or 13th when it comes to attack. South Sydney ranked third. The Knights rank 15th in attack and South Sydney rank third. Like, there's just too much of a drop-off for Gagai to get his. And a lot of his points would have been tip-ons to AJ, who just fell over on the side in the, in the, in the corner. So I just don't see it with Gagai. And, and I haven't seen much hype around him, which I'm thankful for. But I know someone's going to get sucked into it because he's in a new club and whatever. But, I mean, even if you're a diehard Knights fan, there's other Knights assets I'd be looking at taking a punt on than, than Dane Gagai because... He is just a sky high price, and he's a roller coaster. I owned him uh, last year. It was it was fantastic at times, but you'd look down after seventy five minutes, and he'd be on thirty points, and then they'd crash over for two late ones, and then he'd get his. So, it is it is a roller coaster with Gagai. Uh, I might own him later on in the year if the Knights can find some form, but definitely for the first half of the season, uh, a big big no in my book. Uh, the six and seven probably pick themselves in as well with Jay Clifford and Adam Clune. Look. Adam Clune, I didn't bother looking at his stats. There's no no argument you can give me to warrant picking Adam Clune, not at all. As for Jake Clifford, though, he had a 51.25 average when he was at Newcastle, which included two scores under 20. So <coughs> if we want to take those out, sorry for the cough, if we want to sort of take away the two scores under 20, I think one of them was the first game he played um, for the night. So obviously new system or whatever. I've seen some hype with Clifford because he did go on a month run where he had like scores all over 60. He's goal kicking, but I don't feel it's enough attacking upside to warrant picking him. He's not even slightly on my radar. I don't see how you can look at that draw and go, Oh, that's a guy I want to pick. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like Matt Burton. I know know, I've seen Matt Burton in plenty of sides and I know he might, he might go really well in those first two weeks. And I also know that, the dogs are going to be a lot better side than they were last season, but it's still very difficult opponents in a new system. And I just don't understand why you would back that. I would rather wait and see rather than get burnt. I know a lot of people got burnt with Avarillo last year. Oh, he's cheap. He's Julie's this, he's that. Yeah. But they had a crap draw last year too. And he plays for the Bulldogs. So 
sometimes you need to common sense it and go, you know what, who do I want to target? The guys that play in the top sides, you know, even if it's like, for example, say a, a Tupanua, um, I know that's a different position, but I'm just saying like, he's a guy that you could look at and go, you know what, I might take a risk there because they're such a good side and they've got such a good draw. Maybe he gets off to a flyer. I just don't see anyone in the Knights lineup getting off to a flyer this season. So I don't want to be really negative today, but I just, I don't have a huge amount of love for Newcastle this year. And I just don't think they're going to be a real super coach asset kind of side. Yeah. If you're going to take a punt on someone, there's got to be some kind of upside there. And you've hit that on the head with Tupanua. Like if Tupanua is a punt, but you can understand why you're taking a punt on him, attacking mm. with Kieran Walker and Teddy. What's Clifford going to do with Heimel Hunt? You know, like or or Anari Tuala or like whoever. Like, there's just no, no pizzazz factor, no no star power that really excites me. The the one saving grace I have for Clifford is if he plays on the left, it's what he did last year, and he can link up with KP. But then you're banking on KP having a big year. So, do you want to be gambling on two guys to have a good connection for you to make that punt pay off? When I'd just rather take someone like a Dylan Brown over someone like a Jake Clifford personally. Um, I feel like he's probably got more upside than than them or even like even SJ which I'm not overly keen on but I'm warming to the idea you'd, you'd take those guys because they have some redeeming factors to, to, to win you over when it comes to them when it comes to the front row uh, I, I know you've been out of the loop for the last couple of days I'm not too sure if you have seen it but Barry Tui has basically all but confirmed that it's it's the it's the Saf brothers starting for the Newcastle Knights so it'll be Jacob and Daniel starting up top Daniel has probably priced himself out of any upside but he is a safe 60. Mm. So don't expect to make a huge amount of cash on, on DSAF, but he is a safe set of hands. So I can understand if you're similar to someone like a James Fisher-Harris, doesn't have the exciting super coach game, won't give you pain Haas levels of like 75, 80 game, uh, 80 score games. Uh, but I don't really think DSAF would let you down. And he, we know that you can find the line. I think he scored two or three tries in the first two weeks when it comes to last year. And he may have had... I think two, he scored a double in round yeah, one. Yeah, and maybe had 110 points or something like that. So he can definitely find the line. Um, so he does have that, that limited upside, but he's definitely a safe set of hands. When it comes to his brother, Jacob Saifidi, look, he could push that 55, 58 average mark. So there's probably 10 points of value there. He averaged 48 last year from memory or 45. Um, so there could be some 10 points of value there, but... I've just put in brackets here, Arrow, Stefano, Fawn, Collins. I'd probably rather gamble on those mid-range guys. Um, but if you had J- Daniel Saifidi, uh, Jacob Saifidi in your side, then um, yeah, I wouldn't argue against it because there probably is some value there. I just want to see what kind of minutes that he's playing or hopefully we can get some mail out of Newcastle to signify what kind of minutes that someone like a David Clemmer would be chewing up from the bench. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of risk there. Um, I I did find out only today about Jacob Saifidi, so I, I did write these team lists on the weekend. So I don't have that as my lineup, but obviously I, I did see what Tui said um, earlier this morning. 
I don't mind him as an option, to be honest. It's low fours. I don't know, I think you're going to make a lot of money, but he could become a little bit like your Tino last season. And I know a lot of people hated on Tino, but Tino was very consistent in what he did. He always gave you, say, 50 to 60 per week. He didn't really burn you too much to play him week in, week out. And I feel like Jacob could be a good plug particularly if you're trying to trim some cash in some areas so that you can make those vital upgrades. Let's say you're trying to, you know, move, move one of those 550 to 650 type players at, at half back up to Cleary. I don't hate it at all. He's definitely going to be someone I watch very closely in the trials to see how he plays, to see how he scores and also the minutes rotation. Cause you are going to be pushing some good fellas onto the bench. If this is true. Now, when it comes to the number nine, it's Chris Randall. We know that. The concerning thing is that Newcastle still have a lot of cash in their salary cap. I think they have 800K in their salary cap available. And Chris Randall has never been a fan favorite when it comes to Adam O'Brien. I know we're getting closer and closer to the season, but until that I see him named a teamless Tuesday, I'm, I'm not confident in him long-term. I definitely wouldn't be running him as my number one hooker. I definitely wouldn't be running him and someone like a Cotter. I just feel like it's a recipe for disaster. Um, so... Look, Randall, he, he only averaged 53.3 when he does start a hooker, but priced at 240K, that's all we need him to average. We just need him to do a job, make some good cash and move on. I'm just concerned that they do bring in someone like a Josh Hodgson, you know, at, at the dying embers in the last hour, and it just sort of kills the, the Chris Randall stocks. That's the only uh, negative that I have on him is I'm pretty sure he didn't even have a top 30 contract last year. He's never really stayed in the side all, all, to too, all too much. And they have a very, very quality number nine that I've put at 13 that can definitely fill a job if Adam O'Brien feels the need. Yeah, look, I'm not too sure about available hookers. Like, a Seguiaro is rumoured to have signed with with Manly, I think it is. So that knocks one out. And then I don't see Hodgson moving because there's too much doubt regarding Starling. So I think he will stay at Canberra. And outside of that, there's not too many guys. You're not going to go pull someone from reserve grade, I don't think. There's no point. They may as well just use Randall. And there's not too many other big enough names available for this to... I feel like Randall will start the season. Whether or not in the early stage of the season they do start shopping, that could happen. It's probably not something I'd overly considered, but you're right, it could happen. I definitely do agree, but Kurt Mann should probably be the nine. I'm very happy that he's. we've been told that he's going to be the 13, especially because he's available at centre or 5'8". He, he offers, you know, probably a 50 to 55 floor playing biggish minutes at lock, which is fantastic. But I do think he could do a job and he's more creative for Newcastle with a pretty average spine that Mann should be the nine, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't really care where man plays as long as it's 9 or 13. Uh, I'd love to see him at the 9 because he average, he's, he's average at 9. is fantastic. Um, look, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on man. Uh, we'll, we'll skip over the, the back rolls for now. I've got man as my 13. Um, you can put him at 14. You can put him at 13. You can put him at 9. Come team list Tuesday, if he is named at 13 and then gets shifted to the bench, don't panic because we saw this happen with Watson last year. Like, Watson got moved to the bench, um, whatever. I still think man plays 55, 60 minutes, and people may laugh at that, but I still think Adam O'Brien loves that utility that can play 60 minutes off the bench 
and can fill a number of roles. So I definitely see Man playing in the middle, whether it be nine, whether it be 13, whether it, they start him at nine, they bring Randall off, they bring Fitzgibbon on, they move Barnett to 13, and then Man fills it at nine. It, that's the, the beauty of Connor Man. Uh, Connor Man. I was going to say, it's the beauty of the Connor Watson syndrome is that you can cover so many positions and coaches love that because I think it's going to open up minutes for us in Supercoach. What will concern me is if Clune gets dropped and then Man slots into the halves. That's where his Supercoach docks decline rapidly. For him to be warranted in my... He is in my side at the moment. Um, I think he's 380K. He's available at 5'8", center wing. Um, I'll make no secret that he is in my side. He's in my side hoping that he plays 9 slash 13. I don't care where. I just hope he plays 55, 60 minutes there. I think you're right. I think there's 50 points of floor with the attacking upside of someone like Connor Watson. Do I think Connor Watson's a better football player than Kurt Mann? 100%. But I think Kurt Mann is, a, is, a, is in a similar mold. Um, and yeah, could definitely average 60. And we saw what happened with Watson last year. So let's hope that Mann does the same. Is he coming off your bench or is he starting at the 13 for you? He's in my backup. Oh, sorry. Um, I thought we were going super coach. So I've got him listed at 13. Uh, in my super coach side, I've got him as backup 5 8. I've done that for now because I'm not certain that he does make the 13. Um, I'll get into why in a minute. Um, but I lost my train of thought there. What I think is that if you got both the Saifidi brothers starting, I don't see David Clemmer coming off the bench. I think that's a little bit ludicrous. I know sometimes these players do come off the bench. You know, we've seen it with Rory Hargraves over the last couple of years when they're not carrying injuries. But is there a chance that Clemmer plays lock? No. Do you play this, both the Saifidis and play Clemmer at lock? That way you don't move your two edge back rowers. And then you do you move man into the nine and play Randall in, as the 14 or do, either either? I think man is probably a better bench 14 than Randall because he's can go so many places, but are they really going to play like Clemmer off the bench? That seems a bit strange to me. Yeah. I think there's I, some, I think there's some warning signs with Clemmer. He wasn't included in the leadership squad thing last year. They're now talking about benching him. I don't think O'Brien particularly rates him that highly. We've got to remember David Clemmer burst onto the scene at a very young age playing front row in a very demanding position. Maybe he's just burnt out. Maybe he's just, he, maybe he just retires by the age of 30 because he's done it for 10 years. Like, we've got to remember, Clemmer was an Australian footballer at, like, 21. So, like, there was definitely a yeah. lot of promise for him, but it's probably just a case of him being burnt out. And I 100% understand that front row forward is a, a very, very demanding position. So, maybe he, yeah, maybe this we, we're just seeing the back end of Clemmer's brief career, which I'd hate to say because he's, yeah, a very, very talented footballer um, on his day. But I, I just don't see him playing... 13. Uh, the game is just moving way too far away from him. I've got Man ahead of him. I've got Barnett ahead of him. I'd probably rather play Frizzell at 13 if I had to. So, for me, Clem is off my, off my bench, and we'll touch on the bench soon. Um, but yeah, I just don't think O'Brien particularly rates him that highly. Uh, the back rowers, they picked themselves. Tyson Frizzell, Mitch Barnett. Tyson Frizzell uh, has been a 63 and 60 point, 65 point guy in recent years. Look, he... The upside is leaving his game. We used to know him as this like big strike um, back rower that could go over for two or three trials in any given week. That's sort of going out of his game, but I feel like he's becoming more and more consistent. Um, he's only got three scores over 80 for a premium back rower, not the ceiling that you want. 
but he's 60-60, he's 43%, which is nothing to scoff at. So, if anything, he is always just there or thereabouts. He's just 60-point scorer, never, never will really let you down. So, Frizzell, similar category to Daniel Saifidi for me. No huge upside, but a safe building blocks on your side. Mitch Barnett is definitely a better edge option than 13 uh, when it comes to Supercoach anyway. He was a fantastic pod last year. I remember doing a player profile on him and he was 0.3% owned and then that skyrocketed to like 23% by round five when, when he started the season like a house on fire. Won't be goal kicking, which is a, a big tick. And there's uncertainty over him playing 80 minutes at 12 as well. Like, does he move into the 13 during, the, during parts of the game as well? And whatever Adam O'Brien's going to do with this. For me... I'd pass on him. I think he just priced himself out of being relevant thanks to a phenomenal season that he had last year. Actually burnt me a little bit last year. I think I got on too late and I got on when his minutes started to fluctuate a little bit and he lost the goal kicking. So I won't be starting with him because I, uh, I hold grudges. One of the better calls I made last year, I, I did start with him from round one. I think I moved on from him uh, before it all blew up. So very, very happy. With I ebbed and flowed and then yeah. I didn't end up doing it. I think I went with Tino instead of him and yeah, it wasn't the right move. <laughs> all right. So let's touch, let's touch on this bench because it's been something that, that we'll touch on. Look, I've got, I've got Clemmer, Brody Jones, uh, Solo and Fitzgibbon. So I've got Clemmer coming on to play through the middle. I've got Jones that can do a bit of both. Uh, Solo and Fitzgibbon. I just didn't really know who else to put there. Um, I don't think you need a utility 14 when you're carrying Kurt Mann. I think you can bring him off 10 minutes before halftime and then bring him on to cover or whatever. One point I wanted to make with you. So let's say Adam O'Brien does it again and he names Kurt Mann at 13. Come game time, he moves him to the bench. Do you still have confidence to hold? Nope. Um, Look, just because it went okay with Watson doesn't mean it's going to go okay with man. I still think man will score relatively okay. I just don't think he'll make the 125K that I want him to make. You know, I really want him to push the 500 mark so I can then move him on to a keeper. Do I you- don't want to... I, I had Watson last season and I just remember the anxiety of seeing that team list and sitting there and going, get off the bench, get off the bench, get off the bench. And it used to drive me mad. And then he'd come on and he'd score really well and be like, sweet, he just needs another 10 minutes. Bang, he's off. And you don't see him again. And he ends up with a with an okay score, but not a not by no means an elite score, like just a passable score. I don't want that. I either want the upside or I want to go cheap and make the money. I, it's no real in-between. I think he's a bargain at 380 starting lock, 100% sign me up but not if he's coming into a rotation into lock, then it's a different story. I mean, Connor Watson averaged 59 minutes basically off the bench last year. So um, for the first month, he came off the bench at 14. He had 51, 51, uh, sorry, 52, 51, 55, 63. Uh, and then basically, yeah, just fluctuated between. So so looking at, looking at Connor Watson's stats, it looks to be about 54, 55 minutes off the bench with a couple of games at six um, inflating the, the 80 minute sort of benchmark. So I, yeah, I don't know where I stand on it. Um, I don't know where I stand at 55 minutes a game for Kurt Mann because at 1 PPM, it's 55 points at 380K. What kind of upside is there? So I, I definitely understand your point there. So we'll have to monitor that. Um, we've now had some news that Jack Bird is looking to be playing big minutes in the forwards this year. He's close to 500k. So that is throwing up some debates as to what we do with Kurt Mann because we now, 
we're kind of loaded with dual two RF uh, center wings. We've got uh, Bo Firma, we've now got Ewan Aitken, and also Jack Bird as well. So three guys there that are all in my side right now. So it was looking grim, but it's, it is looking better. Um, yeah, as for the bench, as I said, Clemmer's Clem on mine. Brody Jones, I think he did enough last year in the games that he was given to to warrant a selection in the 17 week in, week out. Uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, it's kind of like that cockroach you can never get rid of. Uh, he always seems to be there in Adam O'Brien's sides. And I've just got Solo there because I think when Suaso Su is back from suspension, uh, either him or Fitzgibbon will drop out. So you want to you want to smack him with the old thong, do you, Fitzgibbon? I think Knights fans want to, honestly. Like I think they're, I think they're done with Fitzgibbon. <laughs> I remember, oh, I had a couple of years ago. I remember I, I was on him that first season. He went bonkers, and then I was on him again the second season when he scored all the tries, and I loved him, and I just thought he was a superstar. And now he's just fallen off a cliff, and he's just become one of those guys that when you see him on the sheet, you're like, no, get off. I don't want to see you in the team. Don't don't take the minutes from my players. Um. My side, um, look, Saifedi's in the 15, but swapping with Clemmer, I wrote these a week ago. Um, I've got Phoenix Crossland at 14, and I, I have that because I think they're going to want to start to give him a little bit of game time. I don't know if they're going to have complete confidence in in the Clifford and Clune situation. I think they're going to try and blood Crossland. They do view him as the future. Andrew John speaks really highly of him. I think you don't not really going to have a better opportunity to give this guy a bit of game time than you are right now, especially with such a hard draw to start the season. Maybe that goes against him potentially, but I've got him in the 14. Um, then I've got Brody Jones. I think you had Brody Jones as well. And I've also got Basumi Solo with Jack Johns as my 18th man. So pretty much we've got the same sides except for one. I think you had uh, Fitzgibbon and I've got Crossland. Yeah, I just... I didn't really see a need to run a 14 if you got Kurt Mann there, but either either. It doesn't really matter as to as to how you do it. Um, look, as for cheapies, Crosland, um, Kurt Randall. Kurt Randall? Chris Randall. Chris. Um, apart from that, nothing else overly entices me a whole lot about this night side. Look, I've got the X Factor as Kurt Mann. I think if he does play 60 minutes at lock, I think you're going to have a real solid score. I think you're probably going to get, say, 55 points a week as as a good floor for him. He does have a little bit of creative upside as well. So you might get some good weeks where he scores a try and gets a hundred and then that kickstarts his cash generation. So I've got him as the X factor that is obviously pending TLT and seeing him named in the 13 or even the nine asset wise. I do have Ponga as their biggest asset, maybe not super coach wise because it's such a stacked position, but I think in terms of Newcastle's finish this year, a lot is going to fall on that man's shoulders I, I think it's a contract year for him. Now, I, I don't think he'll stay in Newcastle. I think he probably will end up at the Dolphins, but I think he's going to want to play for money. He's going to want to get as big of a contract as he can, either from Newcastle or even the Dolphins. So I do think he's going to have a good season, but he just can't compete with the other blokes. There's four studs at fullback, and he's not one of them anymore. Trap-wise, I've actually got Mitch Barnett as, as the trap. I think people might get sucked into what they saw last season. I think he's priced roughly where he should be. There'll, there'll be good games and then there'll be, you know, average games, but I just don't think he's going to be a season-long keeper. Therefore, I don't see the benefit with that draw to start in Barnett at all. Yeah, I think he's priced at his ceiling um, and he can only go backwards from here. I've also got Dane Gagai 
as probably the biggest trap as well, even though not many people are going to get trapped into him. He'll just be the biggest regressor out of the lot. I, I hate Dan Gego, so I left him out because I don't want people to think I'm just smashing the bloke all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm a Queenslander, so I'll, I'll, sma- I'll, smash him, I'll smash him for you. Um, day, see it throughout the season. Dan Gego, I hate that bloke. Day away. He's rubbish. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the night's preview. Uh, basically, to sum up this this thirty five minute podcast in about fifteen seconds, Bruno and I hate the nights this year. Um, you can take with that what you will, uh, mate. We're going to be back. Um, haven't decided. Haven't decided if I'm going to drop uh, the podcast for the Cowboys. Whether we do it tomorrow on Saturday or if we drop it on Sunday. So I will have to have a look. Um, but rest assured, you'll be getting a podcast over the weekend to make up for the Thursday that we've missed. Um, I also have not been doing live streams this week because of said Rona. So I might do a stream on Sunday night. If I, if I drop the podcast Saturday, I'll do a stream Sunday. If I drop the podcast Sunday, I'll do a stream Saturday. Whatever. You're going to get uh, three days in a row, four days in a row, um, because we're going to have the podcast on Monday as well. So four days in a row of content with our faces. We're back. Hopefully come next week, I sound less awful than I do right now. And uh, yeah, we're back with long haul. I mean, we've only got what, less than 30 days till Teamless Tuesday. Trials start this weekend. We've got the All-Star Games. Um, made a post on yep. Facebook, mate, yesterday. I'm pretty keen to watch Andrew Fafita. Um, I want to see what kind of shape he's in, what kind of fitness levels he's at, what we can get through for him. Um, but I'm also getting more keen on George Burgess after listening to an interview uh, with TK and the Talking League boys that he did with uh, Hook Griffin. So George Burgess, mate, he's been... He's been going hard since August, so yeah, they're definitely keen for him to come back this season. I might have to catch up on that, I think. Um, at the moment, I, f- I find front row forward and maybe even second row forward that there's a slot there for both of them, which is really difficult. I'm not sure if Pia Cora will be there on TLT. The second front row forward spot I'm finding really, really difficult. That's why I've actually got three players at the moment. In my front row forward, I think I've got I – I posted it on Twitter earlier today. I think I've got AFB, uh, Uticamano, and Arrow at the moment. And I'd really like Arrow to be Jacob, but if a guy like Fafita pops up, it'll free up cash for me, which is something I really want because I'll be honest, I do have cheapy hookers at the moment and I don't like it. But I really hate sitting – grant for a week yeah it's it's um, it's it's, so it's it just bugs me and I, I don't have faith in randall at the moment so i've kind of made a few sides and i know which ways i can go and where i've got to cut to, to get it done but front row forward is bugging me at the moment that last spot i just don't know if we're going to get a max king type cheapy you hate you hate sitting grant but then you also don't particularly love reed marnie so it's just like shit i'm in like a i'm caught between a rock and a hard place here um as my followers know i post my team every sunday um, I'll give you a quick insight, Brew. I have dropped our boy Stefano. Uh, so he's he's exited. He exited the side last night at 11.13pm as I was t- tossing and turning in bed. Uh, and he came in for AFB. The simple reason was I'm taking a lot of the more expensive options. That way they're just easy downgrades. So if anything happens come Teamless Tuesday, it's an easy move from AFB to Stefano. It's an easy move from Maddo to Jack Bird. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's easy ways for us to, to free up cash, but... I'm sure you and I will do a podcast uh, with our team reveals in full. Uh, my roof is about to fall off with the rain that's just poured down, so I'm going to wrap it up for, <laughs> for, for now, guys. Uh, you've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. I have been your host, the SC Whisperer. Uh, I have also been joined by Brew SC22, as always. 
Uh, if you could drop a like, a comment, I don't know. Whatever gets the engagement up would be fantastic. Uh, the reviews have been coming in hot and heavy, which has been fantastic. And lots of comments about the podcast, which has also been good. Um, we are about to jump off and record the Cowboys podcast. So, um, yeah, bye for now. Ciao for now, guys. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.